Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Is this the real life or is this just a fictional reality? Hello there, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Fictional Reality. I'm your host, James Elliott, and this week we're talking with Ben and Xanthi from the Brisbane Immersive Ensemble, who have just recently put on the production of Cluedo, the interactive game, so I thought I'd have a chat with them about how to make immersive theatre. So we have a nice little discussion about how we invest our audience, how do we build the world, and how do we think, regard, and treat our audience in the immersive world. The stakes have changed now. It's not like theatre, the regular theatre, where they're just passive participant, but they're actually actively participating in the story and the world and physically in the space with other people. So we look at some of the challenges and um, barriers that you have to overcome to create an effective immersive theatre and have it truly be immersive and not promenade or stageless or just interactive. So thanks for listening and here's the episode. Welcome to an episode of Fictional Reality. Uh, today, I have with me uh, Ben and Xanthi, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves and say their names, because I realize I actually don't know how to say your last name, Ben. I've never heard it said in my life. Oh my god. Really? Yeah, Linsky. I think it's Linsky. You've never heard my last name said? No, it's Lime Sky. <laughs> I knew it. Listeners, it's Lime Sky. You literally never heard my last name said in your life. I don't think so. Or maybe once or twice, but I don't really listen, so... Um, Cool. Uh, we've just worked together on a show called Cluedo, the Interactive Game. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a very immersive show in the true sense of the word, which um, will I think will be an interesting uh, departure point to look at, like what is yes. immersive theatre as opposed to interactive theatre. Yeah, we so get, get so, so angry when we talk about this. <laughs> um, we'll be defined for you. Don't worry, viewers. Maybe not angry. Maybe passionate. Mm. I'm angry. Yeah, I want to kill people. Um, so before we jump into that, just um, give a quick rundown of, of who you are and what you do in this fictional reality realm. For a start, uh, my name is Xanthi Jones, and in this fictional reality realm, um, we've created a world, uh, it's 1936, and the world is Dr. Black, who is a very famous, very prolific doctor in Brisbane. And he rotates through a lot of um, high society, so he has a lot of high society friends. And he invites them all to a warring party and announces that there's going to be a secret revealed, a secret that is so damning um, <laughs> that, you know, it's going to change the way their whole community uh, works forever. So, but he says he's going to reveal it at the end of the night. And then throughout the night we have different scenes and that kind of thing. And I have written the scenes and I direct the actors um, and Ben Linsky over here, who does the game half of it. So I'll let you talk about that, Ben. Thank you. Uh, my name is Ben Linsky. I'm the company director of Brisbane Immersive Ensemble, um, which is the company that put on Cluedo the Interactive Game. 
Um, basically, the, the little world we've created is kind of like um, a, a crossover between um, a 1930s Brisbane and the Cluedo world uh, from the Cluedo board game. And within that, um, there's little uh, funny jokes like the fact that um, you know if a murder happens, it can only be done in one of six ways with a lead pipe, candlestick, rope, revolver, etc. And only in one of six rooms. And so there's a, there's a bit of um, a suspension of disbelief that goes along alongside this kind of little fictional world that we have. Um, but one of the most important factors uh, is just the immersion. It's playing the game, being able to talk to the characters, interact with whatever you want, just being entirely enrolled within the world um, is something that, that is we find really important in this area. Mm. And we've had a few discussions recently um, about immersive theatre and how in Brisbane it's this huge trend um, that people love to use as a bit of a buzzword. Mm. Um, and audiences, they're, they're keen for it, like... They, they really want to be a part of it. People seem to be excited about puzzles and games and also the chance to sort of be involved in the show. Um, but there are some shows out there and people creating immersive theatre that is not quite immersive. Maybe it's interactive or maybe there's just no yeah, rules to I the theatre. Think, I think there's been a bit Site-specific, promenade museum, all of that are pieces of the overall immersive puzzle. Yeah. But without pretty much two at least major pieces... Um, and you have not got an immersive work. What uh, are those think, pieces? Yeah, I think, uh, as, as James mentioned um, before, that um, a lot of people are using it as a buzzword. And the thing is, is that uh, to be truly immersive, we, we think that you have to, firstly, you have to create a world. Mm, um, step number one. You have to enroll your audience in that world. Step number two. Um, <laughs> and then, basically, you have to have them feel like they're part of it. So they can't they can't be feel like they're in a theatre, they can't feel like they're... Uh, watching a show, they have to feel like they're part of something mm. for it to be truly immersive. And I think a lot of people confuse it with stageless. They put seats around the actors, and, and the actors kind of interact with the people in the seats. That's not immersive. immersive. That's just theatre around. It's theatre yeah. around. It's interactive. It's fourth wall breaking. But it's not immersive. And the same, in the same regard, there's a lot of museum style, promenade style theatre, where you walk amongst what's happening. Um, but those individual scenes kind of ignore you and you are only there to watch a show. You aren't there for any specific purpose. Mm. I think the purpose is the thing that makes it immersive. Mm. And even if those museum-style actors break out of it and interact with you, who are you to them? Mm. Do you have a meaning you to you as an audience member? Do you know who you are? And a lot of the time it's Mm. like, no, you're just just an audience member. You're You're just just basically a prop for the actors, but you're not a, a... a real person for yourself. So if you feel like you're in the, if you feel like you're in the audience, it's not really immersive. If you feel like you're part of what's happening, then it it starts to become so. Mm. Obviously there's more factors like making sure you've got a consistent world Mm. that allows them to not break out of the immersion and all different things like that, which is about making a good immersive show. Yeah, right. To be immersive, it has to, yeah, at all, it has to enroll the audience. And I think that that's the most important thing that a lot of people miss or or just don't quite do properly. Mm. What are the, challenges um, in creating an immersive show as opposed to an interactive show? Well, it's just that. I think it's finding a specific reason to enroll the audience. I've been to shows before where they've tried to do it. They've gone like, hi, the reason you're all here is for this purpose. And then you kind of go into the show and you sit down and you watch a show and then you leave and it's like, well, you're sure I was told that I was you know, at a party or I was you know, there for a specific reason, but... I didn't actually feel like I was. Mm. Um, so I think that's a challenge. Is it's not only deciding how you're going to enroll the audience, but actually actually enrolling them, you know, making them feel like that they're at a real party, not at something that's set up to be a theatre. Yeah, right. And how does Cluedo enroll the audience? 
Well, for a start, um, you a lot of people get like flyer invitations. That's paper invitations. Um, a lot of people don't if they book uh, online or hear about us through social media. Um, but then when you walk up the front door, Dr. Black is there and he says, welcome to my party. I remember you from my last party. How are you? I remember when we drank each other under the table at last year's New Year's Eve. Mm. And he gives them... A, a role, you know, he'll say, I remember your face, but I've forgotten your name. You work, do you work on the railway? Is that what it was? No? You work at the post office? Yes, that's where I met you. Yeah. And then that way he can, or not, not just him, all of the characters, including the singers, including the butler, and including a whole bunch of different um, characters, help the audience when they first enter and throughout the course of the entire night yeah. discover themselves. And they can create that for themselves. Mm. They can have little prompts that help trigger them. Um, or they can choose not to specifically pick a character. They can just be a guest. And, and I, that's also I think fun. that's one aspect of it is that they're feeling like they're kind of part of the show straight away by being introduced by the characters and things like that. But I think importantly as well, it's like when they, when they walk in, the moment they walk through the door, it's the 1930s. You mm. feel like it's the 1930s. Everything's set up to look that way. Everyone's dressed to look that way. The music, the music is, is very strict. Yeah, and you walk in, you get a glass of sparkling, there's food. You're, you're at a party. You're not at a theatre show. There's nothing yeah. indicating to you there's no seats. There's nothing that makes you feel like, okay, I've got to sit down and watch a show here. It's like, oh, no, I am actually part of the show mm. from the moment that, that you walk in. And I think that, that that's what really makes it mm. feel immersive. Is you, you, By the time the show actually begins, they've almost forgotten they're at a show. Yeah. They've just come yeah. to a party with a jazz band. A lot of people and, say that, yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, it involves everything, down from to venue, to food, to drink, to music, mm. to costuming, to decor. Yeah. Then also, like I said, with the actors. I think that's audience. maybe a mistake a lot of people make is that they think they can make an immersive theatre show with a with a small budget or with um, you know just just like as a bit of a hobby. And I think the thing about immersive theatre is it really is it's so hands on, it's so specific, it's 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 actually a lot of effort. And I think that maybe people aren't quite taking it seriously enough when they're first entering it. Yeah, when they design the show, they yeah. don't have a place for the audience. Yeah, and, yeah. and they don't maybe have enough of a budget to really make the place feel like it's mm. actually the world that they want to create. That said, if the world they wanted to create was a bunch of, you know, uni students in a Queenslander, mm. all they need to do is invite a bunch of uni students to a Queenslander, mm. and that is, if that is the immersive world they're going That's for, they've yeah. achieved it. Yeah. Um, it's just when people try to create different worlds or maybe even a dreamscape, for example, or um, we're travelling through um, ancient Egypt and it's an immersive world. Good bloody luck trying to do that, you know. Yeah, make it feel like the inside of a pyramid or Yeah. Or whatever, yeah. And, you know, if you could yep. pull it off, it would be incredible. But um, scope's a bit too grand. Yeah, mm. and so I think that's the thing. It's like I mean, if, I, I've heard of things like that. If you wanted to put on an immersive show, as, as Anthony just said, in a, in a Queenslander, and you wanted the storyline to be, you know, the dramatic happenings of um, a Brisbane uni party or whatever. Hmm. That would that would be a really simple way to dip your toes in because you can have yeah. you can throw a party, you can have a you know some shitty acoustic artist bowl. playing. <laughs> you know, you can have a punch yeah, ball yeah. And, and you can and, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> you actually could. make that feel really real. And that's not a fresh idea though. No. I um saw there was uh, I think it was um uh, either underground event cover or Shadehouse Productions or something mm. did something like that where it was uh, a bunch of housemates and then one of them goes missing or something yeah, right. and, they really have to go. and apparently there's murder and apparently people are you know sleeping with each other's girlfriends and it's all motives for murder and that kind of thing yeah. 
Um, and I was like, cool, a murder mystery Queenslander uni party. I didn't actually go see it, so I don't know how well it came off, but it sounds like a very good concept. Yeah, yeah, I heard one too. Um, my <coughs> my ex-housemate, Gina, she put on a show that was um, like you get into an Uber. And, uh, and that you actually get driven around the city and stuff. Yeah, but, and I love the concept of that. I think, into it, but we yeah. all want to go. That's a really yeah. cool show. I think it's called Ride. It's not right. um, that's right. uh, yeah. They were called 30 Lost Dickheads, I think it's called. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think Lucas Lucas had some yeah. Yeah. Is, is, um, is, yeah, and Stephanie, who's our um, assistant director on Cluedo, they, they were involved in production. And that sounds, it's truly immersive. You get picked up, uh, you're in a car with an actor. Um, in, and the world the is, world you're is, in a car. Yeah, yeah. And, that's, and that's absolutely you are. a thing. And so I think that's the thing, is like really, I think the first thing, if you want to make an immersive theatre show, the first thing isn't the script. The first thing isn't the... You know, the, even really the concept of the story. The first thing is, what's the world that mm. I'm setting this in? How how am I building that world? Um, and yep. I'll, I'll make an example um, for the the next show that we're looking at producing um, for later in the year. Is we're looking at doing an uh, immersive carnival, um, outdoor carnival, a midsummer night's dream, and. It's kind of like, we're like, cool, we want to do this. And one of the first things we did was like, okay, we're going to do this script. We're going to do it like this. But how do we make it so that the audience are actually enrolled in it? Mm. And that's where the carnival aspect comes in with the fact that they're an audience that are arriving at a carnival. They're mm. the Athenians from the, you know, from the Midsummer Night's Dream story and, and they're coming to a carnival. Mm. And so the story is second to the fact that we're just making it feel like we're going to a carnival. Yeah, right. And then within the carnival, certain things happen, you know, love affairs and, and yeah. circus performers with different triangles and yeah. mystery and that kind of thing. And so our fictional reality, our, our immersive world in that is our carnival. Yeah, right. So they get a ticket stub, they get a fairy floss, and then the play happens around that. Oh, cool. So it sounds like the world building comes first and the theatre comes as sort of like a secondary element. I think it has to. And obviously to make it good, you have to have strong theatre and Mm. strong everything. But I think that if you write the story first, and we found this when we've tried to make shows before, you get bogged down in the story and you're so focused on the story that you're like, right, we're just going to make this story immersive. Whereas I think that it's much better to make your world and put a story in it. Because if you try and force something that doesn't really fit the genre into the genre... Yeah, you're trying to put a square into a circle. And that's what a lot of people, I think, are doing. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is probably the mistake that they're making. And the audience can feel it, that that sort of separateness. Something that I loved. Um, So in the show, I played a guide character. So my guide character in the show doesn't really come along until after the murder happens. So I get a chance to mingle with the guests beforehand. And uh, something that I love seeing, there are a few things, was this element of audience members uh, sort of, it's like they, they expected to be at a show. And so they would talk and they were talking about the murder of Dr. Black and they were looking for clues and talking about that openly. So I really got a kick out of being like, what are you talking about? Yeah. We're at a party, and it's like they remember. <laughs> yeah, and they would they would remember. Oh, that that's right. Like that hasn't happened yet. Oh, none of the actors know that Doctor, because they were so familiar with the genre of Cluedo and mm. and what they were there to do. It was a shock for them to remember that the first half of the play is just a party. No one's yeah. died. Yeah, mm. no one knows that, and uh, they would really get a kick out about about being brought back into that world. Sometimes uh, people would come. Oh, are you are you an actor in this? Uh, is this the, does Brisbane Immersive do more of this stuff? And it's like actor in what? Oh. What are you talking? And they'll get. Oh. Are you oh. a character? Yeah. Like, I've been called that. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I, I hate it when I hate when people like just 
I guess it's all right to like settle in, mm. but I really hate it when people refuse to suspend their disbelief. Oh like, yeah, you're only rubbing yeah, yourself. Yeah, I was um, there was, I was in the in one of the rooms of Cluden uh, a couple of weeks ago, and some uh, our actors um drink a lot of red wine and, and whiskey throughout the play, and obviously uh, we can't have them drinking real alcohol, mm. so it's Ribena for the red wine, and it's iced tea for the whiskey. And it looks very realistic. Um, but there's one girl grabbed one of the decanters of the red wine and drank from it, and then she started yelling, "This isn't real wine!" And I'm like, oh. <laughs> it's just like you're. I, I feel like those little things. It's like if you're an immersive theatre audience, just suspend your disbelief that little bit to allow those things to happen, because mm-hmm. otherwise you're expecting actors to be drunk and all these different things. Yeah, so yeah. I think that something that while we're educating the fact that you know people. Oh, we're talking about immersive theatre and how to make it. I think an audience needs a little bit of an immersive theatre education as well because they're so brand new to it. Yeah. To understand the boundaries and, and how to do a, a, be in, in an immersive theatre. There are boundaries of basic respect that I think sometimes people forget when it comes to... Yeah, they've had a few drinks and they're having a bit too much fun and they kind of forget a little bit about, you know, maybe don't grab the actor, maybe don't, you know, shine a torch in their eyes. Or, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're still a human like being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's a, actually a good reflection on how immersive the world you created was because this person found the one thing that you couldn't yeah. you couldn't put in because of um, logistical what reasons. Else, what else Everything else? Yeah. Legit. On closing night, there were a couple of um, old biddies going around and they had their phone torches out. I was like, oh, ladies, put it away. It's 1936. Mm. Anyway, they were looking at all of the portraits, um, all the photography up on the walls that we have around Baydecker. Um, mm. Well, that Baydecker has around Baydecker. Um, and we removed every picture that was after 1936. Yeah. So we've got photos from 1929, 1910, that kind of thing. Mm. And the ladies were going around and not watching the scenes, not interacting with the you know, the production. They were checking the dates <laughs> to see if we'd like missed one and there was a nineteen thirty seven somewhere. You know they just went get yeah. Yeah, but also at the same time it's kind of funny because it's like if that's how they want to enjoy immersive theatre, if they want to, if they get their kicks from the fact that they walk around and go, wow, it really feels real, mm. you know, then it's good on them. And to be honest, walking around trying to they, poke holes yeah, in but it. they couldn't find a hole. So but they couldn't find a hole to cover all our bases. Yeah. yeah, right. And that attention to detail is super important, like, because people want to be lost in that world and they don't want to be pulled out of no, it. You get yeah. these outliers that are, yeah. are looking for it, but yeah. it's so easy to do. Um, but that's only 2% of the population. Yeah, mm, the rest of them are, yeah. are, are trying to fit in. And the thing is, the, the really thing, obviously, like, you can't ever, really, probably ever, fully safeguard against someone finding a hole in something, as you, know, as you said about the wine or the scotch mm. or whatever. But I think that what you can do is make sure that anyone who's trying to immerse themselves in the world and not trying to break it won't have it broken for them. Yeah, yeah. that protect them. Yeah, and you protect those people. And by that, it's just the attention to detail, making sure that you've checked everything, you've gone through, you've troubleshooted, you've made sure that every drawer, you've checked every drawer to check if there's something in it or if you need to put something in it. And just to make sure that everywhere you look, you're still in the world. Um, mm. I think it's something that, that Punch Drunk, um, who are a big, big scale... Um, International immersive theatre company talk about this idea of three layers deep, and so it's like you know if there's something on the wall, you want to be able to take it off the wall, and something behind it, then you want to rip the wallpaper away that's behind that and find something else. Yeah, and yeah. it's kind of idea that, that everything is is kind of safeguarded, and no matter how deep the audience wants to go, they'll they'll be able to still live mm. within the world. Sounds like another challenge of immersive theatre. In um in normal theatre, you can just make it look legitimate enough yeah. from a distance, but in immersive theatre, you've got to you got to get that stuff yeah. legit oh, so people interact with it. You can't, yeah, it has to be real glass. It has to be real, you know, uh-huh. everything. Yeah. yeah, the costumes can't be, like, fake bits and pieces. Mm. The gun can't be a fake-looking 
plastic pistol. Mm. It's going to be realistic looking. It's be believable. The real deal. Yeah, and that's the thing. I, I think that, that that's what it kind of comes back to what I was saying earlier about don't half-ass it, don't not spend the money because if you if you just try and put on an immersive theatre show and you go, oh, we got a few hundred dollars, we'll just throw it together, it's not going to be immersive because if you can't afford to actually use real... And it's not just the money, I suppose, it's also the time and effort and things like that. You can source things for free and you can borrow things, but you need to put in that effort to make yeah. sure that every single little thing is part of your world. Yeah, that's um, true. Then yeah. absolutely. Can't. So I think that's the thing is people. People have you know I've seen plays that that are called immersive that aren't, but they're they they're not bad plays. The problem is is they just try to say oh this is immersive, but then you go and sit in a room and you and it's kind a of straight play. It. So play. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's not just that, but it's like it's like maybe it could have been immersive if if you did the set differently or whatever. But if mm. I'm sitting in a chair and I can see the wall of the room that I'm in that's not part of your world or whatever yeah. you know, then I know it I'm, I'm if you're in colonial times and I'm yeah. looking directly at an air conditioner yeah, yeah I'm yeah. taken out of the immersion and it's not that hard to just cover it or yeah. just do something like that so we often that, talk about being sucked out of the immersion is what we say yeah, yeah that's a good like, word for it yeah it's kind of like there's a bit of a vortex created and it just it takes everything that you've built and mm. black holes it right away yeah in, yeah. In yeah. as soon as your audience starts believing your world I think then you've lost them mm. um, and that's when they start to mess around they start to kind of not take it seriously yeah so these are some elements of what makes effective immersive theatre um, the building the world um, enrolling, the audience. enrolling the audience another element that I see is the audience's ability to make change yes Ooh. yeah um, how do you do that I think that's the thing is, is a truly great immersive show uh, comes from the audience being able to affect the outcome or at least feel like they've affected the outcome yeah. um, and so with Cluedo it's easy because it's, a, it's an immersive game it's, it's, um, there's an element of um, solving a crime and so um, with, with our Cluedo show the, the murder is different every night so every night when the audience come along they define their own path depending on what scenes they see throughout the first act and who they interrogate in the second act and they ultimately decide who did it so it's the easiest way of them being involved and literally deciding their own outcome mm. um, but it's harder to do that if you're not doing a game or, or a murder mystery something, something yeah. outside of that mm. and I think for that it's just about creating a storyline in which the audience members can affect things so like Say for a Midsummer Night's Dream, um, you know, Puck is going to go and hypnotize the lovers. Um, maybe, you know, rather than Oberon going and telling Puck to do it, he sends a group of audience members to tell Puck to do it. Yeah, Something right. Something like that. That's, yeah. that's not necessarily the best idea, but it's your. Well, what did you do in Jungle Up? You had. Uh, so, at Jungle Up, that's what we did in Immersive Dungeons and Dragons uh, show. And, and I, I would. Audience was big in that. We called it Immersive mm-hmm. as we were writing it, but I, I would actually say honestly I, I wouldn't call that an immersive show um, after doing it because it was around a festival and a campsite and things like that there were a lot of things that would have broken immersion but it was very fun interactive role playing show mm. um, And but we were still trying to involve the audience and a big part of that was just kind of giving them tasks and kind of mm. asking them to go and find things and asking them to do things and while the outcome may always be exactly the same the way of getting there can be different yeah, yeah. that's a big part well, of how you choose your own adventure yeah, mm. but it's not. There's not mm. as many options. It's more of a free flowing thing rather than having to go. I choose A or B. It's like I can do whatever I want, mm. and it's always going to end up in the same place. So rather than like a choose your own adventure starting at one point and ending in a million different options, we've kind of got starting and ending at one point and a few and a bunch of different in between. So it's like well, a, in Cluedo, it's a choose your own adventure, except for that it ends in one of six. Mm. Yeah, right. And they can't yeah. exactly choose; it's pre-chosen, but they have to. 
figure out how to get to that answer. And I can see how that's a challenge creating these, like if you want to make the audience to change the show and make decisions, you just go into these infinite trees. Yes. Where it's like, so you want to limit that, but also, yeah, yeah maximize it in some way. Well, yeah. because the thing is, is, is mind. A massive yeah. theater is necessarily about the audience telling the story. It's about using the audience to tell your story. And I think so the story you can have Ooh, is that's still... that's a good quote then. We'll use that in the uh, promo. We'll use that in the promo, yeah, that's good. Um, you Brisbane versus tagline. Um, but ba- basically I think the idea is that, you know, like I know that my story is going to go from point A to point B to point C to point D. But in between that... Um, the audience can can be the characters um, alongside the actors and things like that. And so mm. it's kind of like while uh, in some ways um, I'll, I'll link it back to Dungeons and Dragons that we mentioned before. Um, it's in some ways it's like a Dungeons and Dragons game as a, as a dungeon master. You plan out your world and your storyline and, and all those different things and how your players choose to interact with that world is their own decision. But your story is still probably happening along along in the background, and there's nothing they can really do to stop it. Um, but they, they are part of it. They're part of this creation. Hmm. Oh, that's some good stuff. That's, that's some, some good, stuff. That's some good yeah. insight there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and as I was saying before we started recording, um, I'm interested in sort of maybe starting to look into these, like, how-tos and yeah. one of the best ways. So that's, um, that's some good insight in what people can do to you know, start their immersive show. So anyone listening here, if you're interested in creating an immersive experience, um, let's just like sort of, I guess, wrap up and conclude because we're hitting a nice little mark here. Um, What are the most important things that one should consider before even starting to create their immersive show? Step number one, create yourself a whole world. Don't skimp on the details. Go three levels, three layers deep. Mm. Step number two, enroll the audience. Give them a meaning. They can't just be nobodies floating around in a world of nothing. They yeah. have to be something and someone. They have to have a reason for being there. Then step number three is attention to detail. Make sure that once your audience are enrolled, they don't lose that enrollment. They don't They don't get sucked out of that immersion. Mm. They feel like they're consistently, whatever they're looking for, whatever they're finding is part of your world. Mm. And from that detail, they'll also um, find how they can contribute. I guess that's step number four. Yeah, um, right. As well as having meaning, yeah. how can they contribute Alter the story, yeah. feel like they alter the story. Or just be mm. part of the story. Or just be part of the story. Yeah. yeah. I've heard that, um, you know, a bunch of different shows I've seen where it's like, oh, the audience gets to have a say, and then you hear about what the show did and realize that oh, they didn't really, like, they got to put, maybe they wrote something on, yeah. on a piece of paper and put it into a box, but that's, like, not enrolling no. the audience. It's just this sort of, like, veil. So Yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean, um, I will a little bit of uh, self-promotion as we're here. Please. Um, at the Obviously, the company that, that we are is Brisbane Immersive Ensemble, and we have uh, quite a lot of immersive productions coming up. But also, if you want to learn more about learning immersive theatre and how to do it, how to how to kind of be around it and be involved in it, we're going to be running some workshops in um, January, February, hopefully, with Lucas Stibbard and... Um, who's a just Google him? He's great. Um, and uh, basically, we'll be looking at doing like some three-part workshops of how to direct, how to write, and how to produce immersive theatre. Um, so keep an eye on our Facebook page, and you'll find out about those. Oh yeah, where can we find you guys? Instagram and Facebook. Um, yeah, Brisbane Immersive Ensemble on Facebook, Brisbane Immersive Ensemble on Instagram. Um, yeah, look it up. Our website's got a bunch of info as well. Oh yeah, um, website. It's got a yeah. contact us page as well, so it if does. you want to um, send a little email thingy. Sorry, yeah. my phone just had a little text message there. That's right. Yeah, yeah. if you have any yeah. questions for these guys yeah. or, or want to know more oh, about oh, what they're doing. already sent a question. <laughs> 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 this is what? This is whack. 
<laughs> just recording to a hard drive. Um, well, thank you very much, Ben and Xanthi. Uh, it's been, yeah, it's been a great little conversation. Yeah, it's been a big deal. Yeah. Keep it to put this down in recording because James and I, when we when we drive around and set up Cluedo and stuff, we always spend hours talking about <laughs> stuff. So it's nice to actually feel good on a microphone. Yeah, have it fun. legit. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thanks, guys, and uh, I'll probably get you on again uh, around right. closer to the next show. We can talk about it. Trials yeah. and tribulations of what it's cool. like yeah. to make an immersive oh, Shakespearean oh, a whole lot less hair then. <laughs> we shall see. All right. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.